0: Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the Special Needs Survival Podcast. Well, I want to know, I really want to know, if all you moms and dads and caregivers out there are having a rough week like me, have you ever put on a bathing suit because you ran out of underwear? I did, I'm doing that today. <laughs> it is not fun. Have you ever ordered more underwear from Amazon and got it the next day, as opposed to putting the laundry in because it just takes too long and too much time and you're too busy. I'm guilty, I've done that. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? There are all those little things in life that somehow they, they have to all get done at once and we just can't, you know, um, the, the personal tasks are stacking and piling up and you've got a lot of commitments and a lot of people who count on you. And there you go. Next thing you know, you're sitting in your yoga pants with an underwear um, bottom that is actually a bathing suit. (laughs) And that's where we are today. So (laughs) I, um, I laugh at myself now, but let me tell you, I took this very, very seriously. As a matter of fact, I felt like a failure so much of the time when my kids were young and I was parenting them. I mean, that that feeling still creeps in from time to time, but I have learned over the years, thank goodness for a lot of coaching from other parents and reading some great books and meeting great people that... I have to give myself some grace. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Parenting a person with a disability, caring for a person with a disability, being a person with a disability, we we can only do our best and be our best self. And that doesn't always mean putting laundry ahead of some of the other responsibilities that we have or just having fun. Taking care of ourselves, getting out for that walk with the dog, running around the yard with the kids and playing ball, whatever it is, getting our priorities straight and giving ourselves some grace. That's what I want to talk to you about today. I was incredibly lucky to get this interview with Mindy Henderson, who wrote a, an amazing book with a great title called The Truth About Things That Suck. And how to make them suck less. It is so cool to have this interview air during the month of July, which you know is frankly the month that we um, talk about disability issues, that we have disability pride, and um, and that we try to highlight some of the disability issues in front of us. So um, during this month. Disability Pride Month. I, I wanna give you this funny and enthusiastic, friendly and supportive and motivational interview with Mindy Henderson. Um, and we talked about her book, which you know really encourages readers who are struggling like I am today <laughs> with my bathing suit underwear Um, struggling to overcome any obstacles, whether it is, you know, the breakup of a relationship, parenting, or caring for a person with a disability, being a person with a disability, losing a job, you know, any kind of adversity. Um, Her enthusiasm just shines through in this book. And she marches through with grace. She's a New York Times best-selling author. She's a podcaster. She's an experienced writer, editor, and motivational speaker. So um, as you go forward today, whether you're wearing a bathing suit for underwear or your laundry sits in a pile like mine does, whether you neglected to do the dishes from last night's dinner or... You know, hey, maybe it's worse than that. Maybe you were late turning in something for a meeting. I've done that too, just this week. Whatever it may be, give yourself some grace. Know you're doing the best that you can. It's okay to say sorry, but it's not okay to beat yourself up over it. Figure out the next best move you've got. Move forward in grace and just know that we're rooting for you out there. Me and Mindy. Okay, here we go. And today I'm welcoming Mindy Henderson. Welcome, Mindy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you here. Um, I was mentioning to Mindy when we were doing our little pre-show, you know, get together, that this is uh, some topics that are near and dear to my heart. My Elizabeth had mitochondrial disease, as many of you who listen know, and that is actually under the umbrella of the MDA. So I. I was somebody who raised funds, I went to quote jail, that was like, you know, some of the things that we did and to, to raise bail money and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I have really fond feelings for the MDA. Mm-hmm. So Mindy, this is, um, you know, one of those getting to know you podcasts that I do. And uh, I wanted to start out by just having you kind of introduce yourself to the audience. But something really dramatic about your bio stood out to me. It said you gave your first speech at the age of four (laughs) to ask you about that. And then it. Could lead into, you know, talking a little bit about yourself.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, it, it really kind of weaves into my beginnings. Honestly, mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with a, sp- a neuromuscular condition when I was only 15 months old. It's called spinal muscular atrophy or SMA. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, that it's it's a progressive condition so it gets worse over time and you know i i've lived my life from a wheelchair and shortly after my diagnosis my my family was introduced to the muscular dystrophy association which was a godsend because you know, they, you, you get a diagnosis like this and you just, you don't know what to do. You know, if you don't have anyone in your family or, or have any experience with something like this, it can be very overwhelming. And so my parents got connected to the MDA and got some great support and information, but along the way, after a couple of years, they asked me to represent them as the Texas state ambassador for the muscular dystrophy association. And that was how I got to give my first speech. I don't think it was a good speech by any stretch, Um, but you know, I I got to get up and thank people for their support and talk about MDA. And um, I I think I got the, the speaking bug early on with that experience. It was, it was something that, I I think was such a blessing in my life because, you know, growing up with a disability, it can be such a negative in, in your life and it can be so challenging um, on a daily basis, but having, these responsibilities and these, these opportunities with the MBA so early on, it really I think taught me to to find the the good in the bad and to teach me that I still had things to say and that maybe there were people that wanted to hear them. Um, and I learned the power of sharing our stories. Yes. That is why
0: I do this podcast. Yeah. Sharing our stories is so important. It is. Yeah. We're going to chat a little bit about that. So let's fast forward to, you know, you being in high school and then going off to college, the work world, you know, can you tell us a little bit about what that was like for you? And if you want to share a little bit about what was that like for your parents too, as, as much as you know, and can speak for them.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think my parents had a really hard job um, because, you know, growing Mm -hmm. up, well, first of all, the kiss of death, I think when you are are growing up, when you start to hit, you know, say middle school, maybe, you know, the, the kiss of death is being different from anybody else. And so, you know, I think Living from, you know, living in a wheelchair and living in a wheelchair. That's a silly thing to say. Living life from a wheelchair um, and having a disability, um, you feel very different from everyone around you. And no one is quite having the same experiences as you. And what we don't understand when we're so young is that I think it's what is different about us that makes us really special and interesting and beautiful. Um, But you know, I, I actually talked some in the book about I was bullied and um, and had some really unpleasant experiences in middle school. And then in high school, it was it was things like driving, you know, when all of my friends turned 16 and started getting their driver's licenses, that wasn't in the cards for me just yet. I didn't start driving until i was in my 20s and learned about um adaptive vehicles and things and that's a whole other can of worms a whole other process um, and it wasn't something that was an option when I was 16 and I couldn't get into my friends' cars. Right, And so they would leave campus for lunch and I would, you know, I, I didn't want to be seen sitting alone in the cafeteria because all of my friends had taken their cars out. So I sat in the choir room and, and would have lunch by myself every day. Um, and so, you know, there were, there was a lot about, growing up and being in school that was lonely um, and that was really tough to navigate as a kid. But I think I think it certainly taught me about resilience and about being comfortable in my own skin and and being happy in my own company and all of those things. You know, there's 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 truth to the idea that we learn such good lessons in those hard times that we have to live through. And I did, it was just, it was a time period that was hard and I didn't fully understand it when I was growing up. And I'm, I'm sure there were, there were days when I resented it more than others. Um, but my parents really tried to instill in me the, 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 a way to sort of count my blessings and to be aware of even though there were things that were hard, I was still very fortunate. And, um, and that's, that's the kind of parents that I had, you know, i I've, they've told me since then that there were so many times that when I was crying, you know, all they wanted to do was sit and cry with me, you know, and sometimes they would talk me through it and, and get me through whatever it was that was going on. And then they would go to their bedroom and close the door and they would cry, you know, because they, they were in this position of needing to be strong for me, but it was so hard for them. And now as a parent myself, I know that your child's happiness is your happiness and your child's trauma and sadness is your trauma and sadness. Mm -hmm. And all you want is good things for them. And, you know, they, they had a they had a hard job to do.
0: Yeah. And so many people equate a wheelchair user or somebody with a physical challenge, as also having an intellectual disability. Yes. You know, so they don't expect much of you, and they don't require much of you. And um, they just kind of overlook you. In yeah, a lot of
1: ways, it's true. I've had people pat me on the head like a dog. Um, yeah. You know, it's really it's it's amazing. And you know, part of me is is horrified that those things have happened and and that I've I've had I've lived through those things. But you know, the other part of me also understands that if you haven't been exposed to disability in your life, how can you how can you understand it? Um, you know, and I, I do think that we all have a responsibility to, to try to understand it and to try to educate ourselves. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, you, you mentioned ableism before the, the, um, the show started when we were chatting. And it's, it's things like that that I think still really make us feel how separated we are even in 2022, from the rest of our community.
0: Sure, sure. Because just because you need an extra pair of hands or mm-hmm. some support yeah. to get through your daily living tasks yeah. doesn't mean that you are less than. It doesn't. shouldn't hold you back. Right. But so much of the time, so many of our people end up for lack of support, living in a residential situation that is a lot different than what they really need. And their independence and self-determination is so crushed because of the lack of community-based supports out there Right. that allows right. them to live independently and to work.
1: Right. Absolutely. And that those kinds of stories break my heart. And I know that not everyone that lives with the same circumstances that I do has the support system that they need. Um, and, and all of that and self-advocacy is, is so important. Um, but if you can't advocate for yourself, having that support system, um, is, is really, really critical. And I know that there are a lot of people that just, don't have the benefit of that in their lives, um, and right. so it's it's up to all of us to be aware of, you know, what goes on in our community and and helping to speak up for people.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your early work experiences and what was that like? You know, heading out into the work world.
1: Yeah, it was. You know, for the most part, it was a good experience, and I I worked a 20 year career in high tech before doing what I'm doing now. Um, And I worked for employers where, you know, for the most part, I felt supported and, um, and, you know, like I was valued and, and all of that. But the interesting thing about my, my, that sort of leg of my career was that in 20 years, I worked for three different companies and they were big companies with thousands of employees. And I was the only person in a wheelchair I ever saw. And that was always so apparent to me. You know, I went to work every day and there was no one who really understood the, the challenges that I faced every day at work. And so I would try very hard to look as though I was functioning and operating the same way that every other person was, but I had a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety about, you know, things like people would, you know, come together for a meeting in a conference room and everybody would would bring their laptops in with them well, I couldn't carry my laptop from one room to the next. And so I was always, it was all, that was, it was such an uncomfortable thing. And I would have, you know, three, four, five, six meetings a day. Um, And so this was a really frequent occurrence. And every time I had a meeting, I had to ask a coworker to bring my laptop for me. And, you know, it just, Um, Little things like that, that I I think people don't think about that were so uncomfortable for me because nobody else had that issue Um, and everybody else just kind of went on about their day. Um, and I was trying to be as unassuming as possible right. in, these, in these situations because you don't want to be a burden. You don't want to call attention to yourself, sure. all of those things. So yeah, it was, it was very interesting. And, um, and looking back, it's, it's staggering to me to, to realize that it was 20 years and I never saw another person who looked like me.
0: I I can't believe that. I mean, I know the statistics, but even that is so stark and stands out, first of all, because the technology community is more accepting in general than, Mm -hmm. you know, of differences than the average employer. Yeah. But second, I think about what if, you know, this company of a thousand people had only one female or only one person of color, right? we would notice that and we would be on the rampage about yeah. it as the public yep you know we would never let that stand but one person who's a wheelchair user yeah sure because people who are in wheelchairs can't do this kind of work
1: right right exactly and i know you, i know you mentioned the the statistics and i only recently heard what the statistics were um, around people in the workforce who live with a disability. And I did, you know, it was like a V8 head slap. And I was like, well, of course, that's why I was the only person I ever saw. But it's something like 27% of individuals living with disabilities hold positions in our current workforce, as opposed to something like 87% Mm -hmm. of people with no disability.
0: And those numbers though, Mindy, are of people who are available to work. We're not talking about all people with disabilities. We're talking about people who are available to work, able to work. That's that's a good point. Because, you know, I want the audience to understand that we're not talking about people like my daughter, Elizabeth, who um, was profoundly impacted and Mm -hmm. would not have been out in the workforce in that way. She would not have been part of the statistics because she would not have been considered available for work. Mm -hmm. So that makes it even more stark.
1: It does. It really, really does. And I mean, we could, we could talk all day about, you know, just the assumptions that are made about the kinds of accommodations that people with disabilities need and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's
0: in, in 2022, we've, we've got to be able to do better. Right. I mean, don't you think that the real problem that we're having is because people are so uncomfortable They won't even just ask. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just say, "Hey, Mindy, um, we love you for this job. Mm -hmm. What do you need to accommodate you to make this doable?" I actually had that experience at one of my
1: jobs. The third, the third company that I worked for, um, a week before my start date, and my my disability was not discussed in the interview process. um, But fortunately for me, they were. You know, accepting inclusive people and offered me the job that I was interviewing for. And a week before my start date, I got um, an email from my manager, my new manager, asking about like desk height and if there was anything else that they could get ready for me before I started my job. And I thought that that was. They, they were so evolved, you right. know, and I was so, it was such a simple thing, but I was so grateful, you know, because I knew that they saw me and understood me a little bit mm-hmm. and they wanted to make sure that I had a good experience and had what I needed so that I could do my job. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was such a, a good
0: experience. I wish yeah, more companies, especially- For them to take the initiative. Yes. Because it's, you know, you've had to advocate and fight and push for things Mm -hmm. that you need. Mm -hmm. But when somebody comes up and like you say, sees you and says, hey, just like, matter of fact, like, hey, we would do this for any employee. Like, right. you know, what can we do for you? What can we yeah. order for you? Yeah, no
1: emotion involved, no platitudes, nothing extraordinary. It was just like, hey, is there a certain de- height you need your desk to be at? And by the way, if
0: there's anything else you need, please let us know. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, So at one point, you shifted from, you know, being in the workforce uh, having that, you know, thousand person company job to becoming uh, an author, a motivational speaker, an advocate. What there's always a moment when I talk to people, you know, that kind of aha moment of that makes that switch for you. Yep. What was it in your life that shifted for you? You know what,
1: I there was a very specific moment when I I made that pivot and Um, what happened was three years ago, the most recent company that I was working for was acquired and there were, there was reorganization going on and inevitably, you know, layoffs and things come up as a result. And it was fine. I had been with the company for six and a half years and I had 20 years of experience and I didn't, I, 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 I wasn't, scared honestly i really wasn't nervous about finding alternative work and i thought that i would stay in high tech and keep doing what i'd been doing and um 10 months later i was still looking for a job wow. and i have this spreadsheet to show you i applied at last count in 10 months i applied for 342 jobs wow and actively interviewed for 53 of those in 10 months. And so, and some of those jobs went, you know, two, three, four, even five rounds of interviews. So I did a ton of job applying for jobs and, and interviewing and nothing was, I, there were no offers, um, nothing came in, and after ten months and that much interviewing, your your head your mind starts to go to some dark places, sure. you know, and you you do you start to question your value, and you know your self esteem gets a little. A little wonky. And um, I had what I like to call my bathroom floor moment. Mm -hmm. And I actually heard the thoughts that I was having and how sort of hopeless I was starting to feel. And I remember thinking to myself, I have a choice to make right this second. And I can either become the worst version of myself and become angry and frustrated and bitter, and I can keep banging my head against the wall oh trying to, to find the next job, or I can hire myself and I can, you know, I've had aspirations of writing forever. And I had, you know, done all of this speaking for MDA my whole life. And Mm -hmm. I really wanted to do more speaking. And so I decided I was like, this is it. I am. I'm going to write a book and I'm going to write a book about navigating our adversity while I'm sitting in the middle of this pile of adversity. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to figure out how to become a motivational speaker and all of this. I didn't give up the job hunt right away. Um, but, uh, because I'm, I'm not a risk taker at heart, but I did have a new purpose and a new passion that I added to my plate that kind of saved my bacon, you know, and I did start writing the book the
0: next day. Wow. I, so first of all, I hate that for you, that you went through all of that, you know, but I'm so glad it led you to this place because you have so much to give to all. Thank you. So, um,
1: well, and, and honestly, I, I, I will just say it's the second time in my career that I've lost my job due to layoffs and both times it was, it was hard, but Mm -hmm. it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And Mm -hmm. now I've got this career and, um, it's, it's my dream career. I wake up every single day and I can't believe that I get to do what I do for a living.
0: Right. Right. I know. I feel the same. I feel oh, the same. Oh, good. Um, and getting laid off can be just crushing. It can be. For sure. Or getting fired for any reason. Yeah. But it's true that opportunities abound and you just need to look up to find them as you opposed do. to just looking down. Yeah. So um, you've got two podcasts that you mm-hmm. contribute to, um, but I really want to talk about your book right now, The sure. Truth About Things That Suck. Yes. And How to Make Them Suck Less. Okay. <laughs> First of all, what a great title. Thank For you. I'll put that title. That is amazing. I love it. Thank
1: you. You know, it was, um, I wish that I had some, firm answer for you on how the title came about. But, you know, I, I, I the working title initially of the book was, I think it was like Out of the Dark. But, you know, it never really felt right. It didn't feel like me. Um, I write very much the way I talk. And so the writing is sort of casual and a little bit you know, snarky at times and, and
0: smiley. And I mean, the smiles just come off the page. Yeah. Right? Oh,
1: thank you. So, so yeah, I, I wanted something in a title that was going to be memorable, but also, you know, kind of made you chuckle even. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, 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 kind, I, w- I would just sort of let it ruminate or percolate as I would go through the day and I'd, you know, maybe be driving the car and sort of thinking about, you know, what am I really trying to convey? And, you know, yes. it's, it's truth, it's adversity, it's, you know, navigating adversity, um, it's things that suck yeah. and that, you know, it all eventually just kind of led to the title that I, I
0: landed on. And it's a quote book about what's possible, which is so true because you're, you're a mentor just by living your life. Mm -hmm. And that led you to, you know, want to be motivational in spirit and in your work. And I, I want to chat with you about the difference between being motivational and being an inspiration. Yes. I hate (laughs) that. So, um, I cannot count how many times people have said that to me. Something really ridiculous about how, you know, as a parent, I am just so inspirational mm-hmm. because I actually took care of my daughter. Yeah. And loved her. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. People say crazy things. I know. It's so true. What does that mean for you to be motivational versus inspirational? You know, I think it's, it's the direction that the word points because
1: inspirational is, you know, it's indicative of someone, you know, maybe looking at me and admiring something that I've done, whether appropriate or not, or right. found it or not. Um, but motivational, I think, is more about what the reader can get from the book because my whole mission with the book, certainly, especially after the couple of years, this world has just lived through. Right. Um, and what, what I really wanted to put out there was a book that would instill hope and encouragement and empowerment in the people who read it. And so, you know, I, I think that if you read something and you're, you're inspired, are inspired. That's just an admiration of something, you know. And and you know, it's sure it's nice for someone to read the book and maybe admire it or me. That's great, thanks. But I'm more interested in them reading the book and being motivated to do something differently in their own lives.
0: Yeah, that it's makes all sense. about the outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the outcomes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 100% totally mm-hmm. agree. Yes. <laughs> and that that whole idea of inspiration can just go wrong so fast. It really can. People, people just look at you and they're like, Oh, you exist. You're such an inspiration because you're here and you're breathing. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, yeah,
1: you know, let me make me work for it a little bit more.
0: <laughs> maybe, right? Have some expectations of me as a person. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Well, and I think that's just it. You know, in particular, people who live with disabilities, you know, I mean, yes, there are challenges every day. And yes, we may, there may be things that we have to overcome every day, but who doesn't? We all have our own challenges and things. And, you know, living my life every day, that alone doesn't warrant inspiration, I don't think. It's that's just daily living.
0: And isn't that what you just stated, um, what the premise of your book is and what you're hoping people to get out of it, that we all face challenges and what do we do with them?
1: It is. I really, really wanted anyone who picked up the book to be able to find themselves somewhere in it. Um, And I thought long and hard when I read the book about, you know, I'm... I have a very visible, specific challenge that you can't help but notice. And, you know, so for that reason, I really didn't want people to pick up the book and think that it was just for people with disabilities. I wanted it to be relatable and helpful to anyone who has challenges in their lives and struggles in their lives. And that's all of us. And so, yeah. And so what I did was, came up with a list of 17 things that suck <laughs> for yeah. all of us. And those became the chapters. And there's 17 things that, you know, so many of them have nothing to do with disability, but they've all manifested and shown up in my life in some way. And in so many other people's lives, it's things like um loaning, Getting fired. Yeah, getting <laughs> job loss, the struggle to become a mom, um, shame, rejection—all of these things that so many of us face. And so my hope is that anyone who who picks it up will will find their struggles in one of the chapter and maybe find a, a fresh way of looking at them. What
0: was your favorite chapter to write? You know, it's funny,
1: I. I it's it's kind of like picking your favorite child. I know. Um, it's, hard, right? <laughs> it's such a hard question to answer, but honestly, um I think my favorite one might have been the chapter on failure because I talked a lot in my in my like mid to late 20s, I pursued music. I I really really wanted to to sing country music and growing up um, I was a child of the 70s and 80s, and I loved Barbara Mandrell. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would watch her show on TV, Barbara Mandrell and the Mandrell Sisters. And I really I, I wanted to be her best friend when I grew up and sing on her show. And so I talked a lot in that chapter about, you know, my my musical journey and my attempts to Um, make a profession out of music, um, which, um, spoiler alert, did not happen. (laughs) And so, you know, I kind of looked at that and debated, you know, was that really a failure though? And so, um, you know, I, I think so often we think that we've failed at something, but along the way in the journey to the thing that maybe didn't pan out. There were moments of winning and of living our lives and of, you know, these great triumphs and, and awesome things that we got to do.
0: I love that. You, you said on your website that you're on a mission to leave the world a little, little better than how you found it. Yes. So cool. Thank what you. A, what a great mission to, mm. to have. And I know that you're doing it you know, you've got your podcast and you've got your book and you've got your advocacy and your speaking engagements and yeah. I mean, what's next for you? Oh boy. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, MBA keeps me busy. I, um, I run there. They have a magazine, a blog, an e-newsletter and a podcast. Yeah. So, you know, my my full-time job is is doing those things which I absolutely love. And it's been this really cool, honestly, kind of full circle moment to go to work for them after having received services from them my whole life, sure. you know, and, and now I get to go to work and support them every day. Um, but apart from that, you know, I would love to write another book. I don't mm-hmm. know
0: what that looks like yet. Um, but I would I, I feel like I have another book in me. Oh, sure. Um, You've got the bug. Now, once you get that bug, you're I know. Doing, you know, it's a little a little addictive. Um, but
1: also, you know, there are a lot of things that I would, that I just want to see changed in the world, you Mm -hmm. know, so much of what our community still struggles with air travel. I have a, you know, I have a big B in my bonnet about air travel. Um, there, you know, there's a lot that we could do, I think in terms of fashion and style and making um, style more accessible to people with different kinds of disabilities. Um, so I've I've got a couple of product ideas and things that I would love to put out
0: in the world maybe one day. Um, yeah, so that, many, so many things. That That's great. So Mindy's book was just released on June 7th. Yes. Make sure you go pick it up and always leave her a review because we need those reviews. Yes, please. <laughs> we need the reviews of the podcast and we need reviews of her book, The Truth About Things That Suck. And there's a podcast called The Truth About Things That Suck as well. So yes, check out Mindy. We're going to have all of her contact information in the show notes. And I am so grateful to you for coming on the show, but also just for being you and for Mm. spreading all of this joy throughout our lives. Because sometimes this life can be a little hard. It sucks. Yes. You know, finding the joy can be a little more challenging than the average family. So I'm grateful to you for spreading some joy.
1: Thank you so much. The pleasure was all mine. I, I appreciate you having me.
0: Hey everybody thanks for tuning in I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts I'm having a blast doing them and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping if you are please take a second to leave a rating and a review it's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it thank you so much